before Paul early. And this is the pre-W Smith show on 760 WJR. Here is Jeff Sloan. All right, it's early, that's for sure. But uh, you know what? Good to have you with us. Good to be here again, uh, bringing it home on a Friday morning here in Detroit. Listen, guys, nothing more aggravating that I can think of and just in a given regular day than either having a moment to try to talk to your kids or let's say having a meeting at work or just maybe having a casual lunch with friends and the phone buzzes. Oop, better check it. Got to check it, right? Interrupts the momentum, the moment of whatever it is that I might be doing. And you know, the most aggravating part is you pick your phone up, you take a look or you answer it even worse. And it's a spam call. Ooh. Ah. The worst. It's the worst. And, you know, it's one thing if it happens once a week. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I get, I don't know, I'm going to guess, just let's say several calls a day. You get, do you guys have any kind of, you know, consistency or any, does it affect you the way I'm describing it affects me? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, because we're so programmed to look at our phones now. That when it does and you flip over the phone or you kind of catch it, you know, in the corner of your eye and it says spam call or no caller ID, it is, so, it is so irritating. Well, that's one thing. That's irritating enough. It's another thing when the number pops up and you and, it, and oh, that's now right. even not just a random number that might be from Idaho and you're like, well, I don't know anybody from Idaho. There's got to be a spam call. You learn, mm-hmm. right? But now they come in in the same yes, area code, right. and it says Birmingham, Michigan, or it says Detroit, or you know yep. whatever it and may be. And sometimes they'll even give a and, name. Uh, it, w- it will have a person. It'll even name. give a name sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then they call you by the wrong name. That really pisses me <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Well, listen. That's the point. That's exactly right. And that's what I'm griping about right now. It's a little Friday morning, and I'm happy it's a Friday morning. But I'm going to use it as an opportunity to. Call this issue out. We've had enough. Well, listen, here's a dad who's also had enough. He's a stay-at-home dad, was getting calls all day long, trying to do his stay-at-home kinds of things. And uh, he was, I don't know, he got several calls a day. So this guy recently, and there was a recent court case about this, this guy took matters into his own hands. He wasn't going to take it anymore. He was getting, as he said, 10 to 15 spam calls every day. And so there's this little, I think, little-known federal act. It's the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, TCPA, as it's otherwise known. It's been around for decades, actually, and it allows you, apparently, to make a claim in the form of, you know, if you make a legal claim, $1,500 for every call that you get that's a spam call. And so he went after them. But what he did is he kind of set up a trap. You know, he got several phones. He was getting several calls a day. It's a great way to make an income, right? Uh, he got all these spam calls coming in, taking action against all of them. And lo and behold, the judge turns on him and rules against him and actually says he owes the money back to the telemarketers, which is unbelievable to me. Anyway, he's repealing the case, but the judge ruled against him because he basically entrapped them, you know, by getting all these additional, he kind of set up a system. He figured it out. He had a system to actually go after them. He had a system to find out who they were, how to get back to the companies who were behind the calls ultimately and so on. So it was a way really, as it appeared to make money. And so the judge ruled against him. But the real moral of the story is if you use the law in your favor, the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, if you check it out, 
can actually allow you to take action and collect against these annoying telemarketers. And boy, do we need to do something. We need to fight back. I'll tell you that. Um, I am actually going to, not because I'm interested necessarily in spending my time doing this or making 1500 bucks for the time, I can do, find better ways to make a living, but these guys need to pay the price. They need to be stopped somehow. Oh, yeah. They really do. Especially when you're on the no-call list. Exactly. That's when it right. gets even worse. I mean, I don't understand I, how The no-call list adds you to a database, so you get more <laughs> calls. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And, and you know what? You also, like, for example, online, that's the telephone spam. But, you know, these sites uh, that might be sending you emails online, as soon as you hit the unsubscribe button, you know, I don't know about you, but I've gotten spam emails then from the same company under a different email address or a different contact coming to me. I mean, it's it's just, you don't know what to do as a consumer. And, you know, we need protection against this. You don't want to fill your inbox up with spam emails. You don't want to be interrupted during the day with these spam phone calls. I don't know how to stop it, but it's got to be stopped. Well, there's my gripe of the day. There you have it. On to... On to <laughs> things that are more fun and lighter in nature. How about that ski jump that we have that's just reopened up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan? Yeah, how, how about that? Have you seen a picture of that? If you type in Copper Peak in Ironwood, Michigan, yes. holy cow, that that thing is ginormous. It's like 269 feet tall. It's the largest artificial ski jump in the world, and it just happens to be in Ironwood, Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula, called Copper Peak. And it is actually set to officially reopen. It has been closed since 1994. And actually, the last skier to jump off of it, I believe, holds the record. He actually leapt 518 feet from the end, and that's, God. you know how long that is? I'll tell you, Jeff. It's 13 uh, city buses. I, w- I was just going to guess that. Do you get yes. to wear a parachute? Oh, you were going to guess that. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. parachutes Seriously. required. Anyways, the ski hill, clo- or the ski jump closed because there was erosion, and they were dealing with debt and some other things. Well, Michigan has earmarked $20 million for them to reopen, rebuild, start competitions again, and they are set to do that, and they are ready to go. They have about $4 million left to raise, but the International Ski Federation is ready to hold, um, they say, eight competitions at Copper Peak, you know, throughout the year. Which is great for the city of Ironwood. I mean, with tourism and visitors, it's kind of exciting. Yeah, I got to tell you, you got to take a look at the picture. It's it's cool, but it's like, are you kidding me? It looks like a roller coaster. It does. It looks like a roller coaster. Are we going to go try this? No, but I, I'll tell With you Ann what, though. With Ann and Paul and Sean, yes, Sean and no, gonna, cooker. <laughs> Sean, okay. Sean, I could see Sean doing this, by the way. Uh, but listen, I got to tell you, it would be really cool to see that. You know? I'd actually you've seen like it, to We've all seen it on the Olympics. Yeah. Right, you've seen yeah. it on the Olympics. These guys fly through the air like that. But uh, no, there it is in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, biggest ski jump. Yeah. It's really cool. It's really cool. So, yeah, it's, it's exciting for the city of Ironwood, that's for sure. Yeah, and the state of Michigan. It's really and great. And the state of Michigan, again, of yeah, course. Yeah, indeed. Well, thank you. Good story. Another kind of feather in the cap of our beloved state of Michigan. All right. As you know, Paul W. Show coming up next. And we've got Ann Thomas standing by. 
Anne. Good morning. Well, good morning, Jeff and Kristen and Mark. You know, this morning we're going to be talking about Alec Baldwin. What an interesting mm. story. They're going to charge him with involuntary yeah. manslaughter. And uh, I don't know. Some people think it's a great idea. Other people are outraged. What do you guys think? You know, I have to tell you, I don't know. I, obviously, I know about the, you know, the circumstance. I don't know sure. enough detail to know how the law should come down on this. I haven't been following right. it that closely. But oh, what an unfortunate, obviously, all the all the way around, uh, unfortunate story. Do, what do you think, Anne? You know, I'm torn because yeah. you've yeah. got to check your gun before yeah. you shoot it. <laughs> I don't care yeah. what kind of gun it is. You got to be careful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I know a lot of other people are like, you know, it's somebody else's fault. I don't know. I feel like you. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. But it's you know, a the, really interesting story. I absolutely agree. Obviously, you got to check your gun. But when the producer or director, it is, I guess, in that case, the director, is the staff hands the gun and says, right, Do the, the part. armorer, you, right. you trust right. that. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Tough story. Mm-hmm. All right, listen, yep, uh, we'll be tuning in as always. And for that story and others coming up on the Paul W. Show, stick with us right here on WJR.